0: Chapter 14. The Seaside David's last shift came and went. He wasn't the only one to face redundancy, but it was his first experience of being jobless since he had left school, and it came hard. For the first few days, David did nothing much except seek solid sleep. He found it hard to go to sleep, to stay asleep, and once awakened found it hard to stay awake. Sometimes he would get up and watch the sunrise, then go back to bed, only to reawaken more tired than before. More than once he had vivid, agonising dreams that left him nervous and restless. Work seemed to be in short supply. Numerous applications bore no fruit, and the few replies he received said either that he was too qualified or not qualified enough. David began to think he would never find another job, He worried about his quickly disappearing savings and the security of his family, whom he felt very responsible for. As days turned to weeks, he became more disheartened, and his drive to seek opportunity waned. He was well and truly stuck in a rut. Wendy worried about her husband. She'd always admired his hard-working attitude, but witnessed his slow decline into the gloom of joblessness. She tried to enthuse and encourage him, but to no avail. The arguments all but stopped, but were replaced by black clouds of hopelessness. Wendy was at least comforted by the small wonders of Prince's Parade that she would notice from time to time. The flowers slowly opening, revealing amazing scents, the birds singing tunefully in the trees and bees buzzing as they flew tirelessly in search of nectar, pollinating the flowers as they did so. There was new life on the canal too, as the lilies began to bloom into gorgeous shades of yellow and white. Sometimes she would stop to feel the rough bark of the trees, and Alfie was also becoming inquisitive, enjoying the feel of the leaves on his fingers, which his mother gave him as she walked. He always giggled when she would sing Grandmother, Grandmother, Pop Out of Bed, while squeezing the base of the bindweed flower, causing it to pop out from its stem. In the meantime, Hannah continued to spend time by the canal, and would often go down to the beach too. As the days grew warmer and longer, the haven of Seabrook took on a different character. More people came to spend time there, walking, cycling, or just to sit there and watch the comings and goings. The signets were growing up fast, and were always a great attraction. Often, the kayakers would be out, cutting ribbons in the water with their paddles, and sometimes stand-up paddleboarders would venture out serenely gliding along. There were beautiful sunsets to be seen, and some mornings a thin mist would hang above the water before the heat of the day cleared it away, leaving pure blue skies to reflect in the still waters. Out at sea, the cormorants took up their summer residence, sitting atop a post which marked the end of the rocks, which had been placed as a sea defence. They looked majestic, with their dark outstretched wings drying off in the sun, They were like sentries, protecting the area for hours on end, but occasionally, Hannah saw them swoop down, diving into the sea to catch dinner. They would duck under the water and vanish completely for minutes, finally reappearing metres away from where they had dived. One day, Hannah was sat in the front room reading Harry Potter, her dad lying half asleep on the sofa, when there was a tap on the window. Hannah looked up. David shut his eyes. There was nobody there. A few seconds later, there was a louder bang on the window, but again, Hannah could see no one. She got up and curiously peered out of the window. Just when she thought she must have dreamt it, Gramps jumped out with such a loud roar that Hannah nearly jumped out of her skin. Idiot, David muttered under his breath, and Hannah caught hers enough to run up to the door to let Grandad in. Gramps picked her up and swung her around when he saw her nearly losing his footing on the uneven path. They laughed together as Wendy and Alfie appeared at the gate behind them, home from their walk. ''I didn't know you were coming today, Gramps,'' said Wendy. ''Well, I thought I'd best check on that husband of yours,'' said Gramps, with a kindly tone in his voice. ''But first, I need a cuddle with this little one,'' he said, lifting Alfie up high to the sky before bringing him close to his chest. Indoors, David lay motionless. ''Your dad's here,'' shouted Wendy as they came through the hallway. David slowly began to sit up without enthusiasm. ''I'll put the kettle on,'' said Wendy as she ushered Hannah into the kitchen. ''Help me hang this washing out, would you please, Hannah?'' instructed Wendy as she shut the door on her husband and his father. ''We'll just give them a little time to talk.'' The wet washing was heavy in her arms as Hannah carried it outside. Next door, a dog started barking. It was Barney. Hannah peered over the fence, and there was Barney chasing his tail like a mad dog, barking excitedly. Someone's pleased to be home, exclaimed Wendy, as Pete appeared in the garden. Oh yes, always good to be back home, said Pete with a broad grin. I have to say, it's nice to go away, but it's always nice to come back too. What have I missed? Pete inquired. By this time, Hannah was leant over the fence, with Barney jumping up almost to the height of Hannah's head. He was so excited, his tongue flailing everywhere, and his tail swishing this way and that. It transpired that Pete and Barney had been away on a narrowboat, something he always loved to do with his wife before she passed away a couple of years prior. We always said that we'd retire to a narrowboat life, but I don't want to leave this place now. I like it too much. I feel Laura's heart is still here, Pete said wistfully. Besides, there may be no narrowboats, but at least there's a canal. At which point Barney barked loudly and excitedly. I saw in the paper that the council have released some plans about the housing they want to put on Prince's Parade, said Pete quizzically. Oh? I haven't really paid too much attention, to be honest, admitted Wendy. I've had rather a lot going on. I guess you have other things to worry about, agreed Pete, with a knowing look. Always hard when you have children. Just then... Gramps appeared at the back door, tipping his hand towards his mouth as if he was drinking tea. ''Oh, sorry, Grandad,'' said Wendy, realising she had put a tea bag in a cup but not added water. ''It's okay, Wendy, I'll make it.'' ''Do you want one?'' said Gramps, who always made a nice cup of tea. ''Oh, yes please, if you don't mind.'' ''Well, I'm off for a swim soon,'' said Pete. ''Come down later if you have a chance. I think the sunset's going to be amazing tonight.'' Won't it be cold? Hannah piped up. Maybe a little, replied Pete, but that's the challenge. It gets your blood pumping and your heart racing. Oh, and it makes you feel good, he said with a wink and went back inside with Barney following obediently. Back indoors, Wendy began to get dinner ready and Hannah was happy to help peel the carrots. She didn't mind it, but preferred helping with cakes as she usually got to lick the spoon after. It was nice to spend time together, doing something simple. She didn't mind washing up, although her friends thought she was weird. Some of them hadn't even loaded the dishwasher, let alone scrubbed dishes. As they worked, Hannah could hear the deep voice of her father and grandfather talking, muffled by the kitchen door. Not intending to listen in, Hannah overheard Gramps say, The thing is, son, all this moping around is doing no one any good, least of all you. You gotta get out there and pull yourself together. His voice got louder as his emotions rose trying to get through to his son. Wendy switched the radio on and a jolly tune played. She had already similar discussions with David and was pessimistic about Grandad's chances of turning things around. She didn't really know what would help as she had tried everything but she knew that telling him to pull himself together probably wouldn't. Hannah watched Pete and Barney walk past the garden gate on their way to the beach. ''Can we go to the beach later, Mum?'' asked Hannah. ''We'll see,'' Wendy replied. ''Maybe the fresh air will do us good.'' Dinner was rather tense, despite Gramps' attempts to crack jokes and lighten the mood. David pushed his food around his plate disinterestedly and left half of it. Alfie coughed and spluttered and eventually needed his clothes to be changed. When Hannah asked if they could go to the beach, nobody was keen. ''I've got to make tracks, my little princess,'' said Gramps. ''Maybe Dad will take you,'' he suggested, hopefully. ''Oh, yes, please, Dad. It's been ages since you came down to the beach,'' Hannah cried. David reluctantly agreed. It was a warm and still evening as Hannah and her father stepped outside. The air was fragrant, the roses wafting a sweet perfume by the front door. David was surprised. He hadn't ventured out a great deal recently, and it was definitely warmer than last time. Hannah held his hand as they made their way along the canal path to the beach. They looked over the bridge which spanned the canal, looking down at the fish lazily basking below before heading up the slope. Bit by bit, David began to feel a little less fed up. When they crested the slope to look over the bridge, both Hannah and David took a breath and marveled at the glittering sea. It was flat and silky smooth, broken only by the splashing of Pete and Barney, who were both in the water. The sea stretched out before them, magnificent in its vastness. The horizon broke finally by hazy mounds which hinted at the existence of the cliffs in France. They crunched down the shingle beach towards the water, the sea gently lapping against the shore. Patches of sand were appearing at the bottom of the slope and David remembered his youth, spent often as possible on the beach. Hannah slipped her sandals off and ventured gingerly into the water. It felt cold. She remembered Pete's attitude to the challenge of the sea and pushed on. Her feet quickly found the soft sand and the water soon began to feel warmer as she waded further in. She watched as Barney swam frantically towards her, full of excitement. He bounded about in the shallow water, barking before shaking himself off covering Hannah with water. David laughed from the shore and got the urge to paddle as he saw Hannah having such fun. Come in, Dad, she shouted as David rolled his trousers up. I'm only paddling, David warned, but was soon as wet as Hannah after Barney splashed by. David was annoyed. He hadn't planned on getting so wet, but then something stirred in him. The frustrations of the past weeks had taken their toll, but for that moment he just let go. And allowed himself to sink into the cold sea. As he fell gently into the water, he experienced the freedom of the sea and closed his eyes as salty bubbles whirled around his face. He held his breath and wondered at the secrets this sea was witness to. Pilots shot down in the wars, channel swimmers, seals, shipwrecks, migrants in plastic boats, jellyfish, driftwood, fatal fishing hooks, all tumbled together, mixed by time and tide. So many thoughts flashed by, but time seemed to stand still. He was soon reawakened by the urgent need to breathe. Hannah panicked and pulled her dad up, as Pete forced his way through the water to help. I'm fine, I'm fine, honestly, David spluttered, realising the alarm he had caused. I didn't think you were going to come up, Dad, cried a flustered Hannah. You okay, David? said Pete, as he handed David his towel. I didn't think I'd been under that long, said David, as much to assure himself as them. Come on now, I'm wet, we might as well make the most of it, said David, playfully splashing Hannah. Wendy and Alfie arrived at the top of the slope, and saw the four of them happily playing in the water, unaware of the drama moments before. The sun was getting low in the sky, creating a warm orange haze, and the warmth filled Wendy's heart. To see David playing seemingly carefree was something she hadn't seen for a long time. Maybe, just maybe things could change. I know a song that'll get on your nerves, get on your nerves, get on your nerves, sang Toby in a monotone, unending loop. Debbie was just about to ask him to stop when Terence clipped him around the ear hole, mid nerve Terence ran along the beach laughing as Toby gave chase. Debbie had friends staying and they had decided to have a fire on the beach. On the way, they bumped into Wendy and Alfie, and together they set up camp near the sea. Before long, Hannah, Pete, David and Barney were all warming themselves by the flames. Other locals arrived, and soon a small crowd of people were gathered on the beach, enjoying the dying embers of the sun, and the brilliant sparks and crackles of the fire. The moon was already high in the sky, and as the light faded, Pinprick stars began to appear in the heavens. One of Debbie's friends had brought a guitar with her and began to play some old Beatles songs. We all live in a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine, sang the gathering in unison, and their voices floated up into the clear night sky until the wood was all gone, and the people began to yawn. Walking home in contentment, David realised that despite the difficulties, there was hope and support here. That Seabrook was a special place and that the environment that surrounded them was nourishing and wholesome. The friends walked by the dark, unlit canal. Luckily, some had torches on their mobiles to light their way. The lights twinkled, star-like in the water. You know, I just can't understand why anyone would think of building on this place. I mean, a new pool somewhere would be great. But a 150 houses too, said Pete sorrowfully. If only the animals and the plants could defend themselves, said one of the children. Yes, we could send the dragon in to stop them, said Terence thoughtfully. The adults laughed and wished it was that simple. They could only hope that the council would see sense and scrap their destructive plans. Slowly, the group grew smaller as people reached their homes, until just Pete, David and family were left. As they walked... Pete asked David if he'd had any luck finding work. David told him how he'd tried and so far failed, how he wanted to work and how despondent he was feeling. It was really the first time he had spoken to anyone outside his family about his feelings, wrestling alone with his emotions and trying to put a brave face on things. Pete had an understanding character and when David spoke to him, he didn't feel that Pete was judging him, he just listened. ''I've had a little idea,'' said Pete. ''I've been talking to the chap with the solar-powered boat in Hythe. ''You know, the one that does trips along the canal. ''Well, I thought about getting one to run a service along this part of the canal. ''I have some money put aside to get it off the ground. ''It wouldn't be much, but maybe you could help me set it up this summer.'' David was gobsmacked. ''He loved the canal and everything to do with boats.'' It dawned on him that this could be his dream job. He doubted he would earn enough to keep his family afloat in the long term, but it was a start. Besides, it was the first offer that he had had. Are you really serious, Pete? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, thank you, David said, stumbling over his words, almost in shock. Great! Well, could you call around tomorrow so we can have a proper chat about it? David confirmed he would, and with a big smile shook Pete's hand. The friends said goodbye at the garden gates, imbued with excitement and possibilities. From the bushes hidden in the darkness, Nuna and Kajika watched with interest.